London Calling. London Walks Connecting. This is London. This is London Walks. Streets Ahead. Story Time. History Time. It's February 21st, 2024. Today's pin, the news story that gets the show on the road, it's pinned to the top of the London Calling podcast, is a lift from the Metro. It's headlined, Teachers Get New Powers to Restrict Pupils' Phone Use. It's one of those take-the-ball-and-run stories. Where I ran with it, given my predilections, my brooding over words, as it says in my capsule bio on the guides page of walks.com, where I ran with it was to screw in my linguistic jeweler's eyepiece and take a good look at that gem of a word, mobile. Turns out we get the word mob from the word mobile. Mob is a shortening of mobile. The derivation goes back 350 years when mobile meant the common people, the populace, the rabble. Mobile itself was a shortening of the Latin phrase mobile vulgus, meaning the fickle common people. And it's thought that there was a conscious play on the word noble, a can't-miss echo, nobility, mobility. In no time at all, the 1680s, mobile meant a disorderly part of the population, the rabble, the common mass, the multitude, especially when rude or disorderly, a riotous assemblage. In short, short being the mot juste, a mob. The Oxford English Dictionary helpfully adds that the word was chiefly contemptuous and that it's now obsolete. We say mob. But language is like London, multifarious and the tiniest details signify. So mobiles today, cell phones, which are a daily headache for teachers trying to take a class through a lesson, well, we all know they're the weapon of the mob. Hundreds of years ago, the common people didn't have swords and armor. They grabbed whatever was to hand to use as a weapon. Oftentimes, it was a big stick. Sometimes, they'd set fire to one end. From that, we get the word firebrand, a club burning at one end. In time, that word signifies one who creates unrest or strife, the influencers of a mobile, so to speak. But you can imagine how frightening that must have been to the badly outnumbered nobility, even though they had swords. A really angry, huge crowd, the rabble, brandishing crude wooden clubs that were burning at one end. Social media mobs are the modern, contemporary version of that. And of course, many of the individual components of that mob are using mobiles. Putting that into historic linguistic terms, they're mobiles using mobiles. Another way of seeing it, and that way of putting it, seeing it, gets it exactly. Another way of seeing it is online mobs act like flocks of birds. Scientists call it collective behavior. And it can be not just frightening, but very harmful. 
as anyone who's been flash-mobbed online will attest. But fled is that din. Can't really say fled is that music, not when you're talking about modern mobs brandishing its firebrands. Mobiles. But fled is that din. Let's not go with them. Let's peel off. Peel off and get to grips with today's random. One of the really satisfying things about London Calling, I often think of it as the London Walks version of Hoop and Stick, also known as Hoop Rolling, that now bygone child's game in which a large hoop would be rolled along the ground by a boy, they were usually boys, wielding a stick. Oops, there we go, another stick. Everything's sticky today. Everything's hanging together. Anyway, I'm the boy wielding the stick, and the hoop I'm rolling on its merry way is the London Walks podcast. And one of the really satisfying things about the podcast is the feedback we get. I just love, visualize that as a burst of red hearts released up into the sky. I just love the most recent bit of feedback. It came in this morning. It was from a chap named Andy Hooper. Yes, Hooper. See how everything's hanging together. Andy wrote in about the V for Victory and Jumbo the Dog podcast that we did last July. It was a story that ran in the July 20th, 1941 edition of a London newspaper. The story was headlined, The Dog on the Corner. The Dog on the Corner was Jumbo. It's a really moving tale. A moving tale about a tale that wasn't moving. It's worth recapping. This is what Andy Hooper spotted and was responding to. Every evening, a dog sits on the pavement at the corner of Tabard Street, Southwark, London. It's Jumbo, waiting for his boss, Fred Hooper, to come home. Jumbo waits for hours, and then he walks slowly back, with his tail between his legs, alone. Young Fred, 14, got his dog when it was a puppy. They grew up together, and it was one of Jumbo's habits always to sleep in his master's bedroom at their home, in a block of flats in South London. But on the night of London's last blitz, Jumbo wouldn't go into Fred's bedroom. He tried to stop Fred by gripping his trouser leg and tugging with his teeth. When Fred took him inside and shut the door, Jumbo whined to get out. And for the first time, the dog went to sleep downstairs with Mr. Hooper. In the middle of the night, Jumbo woke him up by licking his face. A few minutes later, the floor caved in, the walls collapsed. Mr. Hooper saved his life by clutching a dangling pipe. Jumbo stood on his shoulders. As they hung forty feet in midair, the rescue squad climbed to save them. Mr. Hooper was rushed to hospital. Jumbo went and nosed in the ruins. He was looking for Fred. That is why anyone can see Jumbo sitting and waiting at the street corner each evening down in Southwark. He thinks Fred will come that way from work from his first job. Jumbo doesn't know that when the rescue squad went to look for Fred's bedroom, they couldn't find it for debris. Fred ignored Jumbo's warning. Fred isn't coming home. That was the story we ran. Andy Hooper responded to it because Fred, Jumbo's owner, was his, Andy's grandfather's brother. The story had been told many times to the surviving brother, Andy's grandfather, it was family history, became part of the family lore. Andy's grandfather told his children, 
one of whom was Andy's dad, who told the story to Andy, and I'm sure Andy will tell it to his youngsters. Andy said the newspaper, the Sunday pictorial, had awarded a medal to Jumbo. The family still got the medal. They were looking at it the other day and wondered if they could verify the story that had been told to his, Andy's dad. And one thing led to another. London Walks had found the Sunday pictorial tale, put it into that day's podcast, and Andy found the podcast and wrote to us. And splendidly, wonderfully, thoughtfully, movingly, sent us photographs of both sides of Jumbo's medal, which is, of course, a family heirloom. Thanks so much, Andy. As Lloyd the New Yorker said in yesterday's podcast, like everything in life, there's good and bad. I gave mobiles a knock earlier in this podcast for making teachers' lives difficult and for being 21st century firebrands. But they also do lots of good. And this is an Olympic standard instance of same. I'm going to use my mobile to share on social media what Andy shared with me, that family heirloom, Jumbo's Medal. Thanks, Andy. Okay, on we go. Here's today's ongoing, our ongoing engagement with London. In today's ongoing, you're going to hear from another Londoner, John. John's homeless. He's been homeless for over two years. Meet John. Okay, it's David. It's uh, uh, February 20th, uh, 6.30. It's uh, Tuesday evening. It's a bit nippy. Uh, I'm in Kensington, and I'm talking to John, who I've got to know. And John is homeless, and he's, he's a good story to tell. He's, uh, he's a Londoner. So um, I'm, I'm going to get John to... Tell his story. Um, yeah, John, tell us a bit yeah. about yourself. Thank you, David. Um, basically, I'm 47. I've been a forklift driver since I was 18, so nearly 30 years. I was with my ex-girlfriend for eight and a half years. We had a child, lived in a two-bedroom flat. Then we broke up. I moved into a bedsit in Hammersmith, which was £250 a week. My wages was only 300 so I got in rent arrears. I got evicted after three grand in arrears and then I've been on the street for nearly two years now because of it you know what I mean so yeah but so you, you were living on, on 50 pounds a week after, yeah, after the rent basically right? yeah yeah the government actually said to me if you get this job and you get this wage we'll pay this for you and we'll pay that for you so you know you can live when I actually got the job they said you're not entitled to this you're not entitled to that so I end up High rent, low wages, end up evicted on the street. I've got no mental health, I've got no addictions. You know, it's, you know, it's just, things just collapse really fast, you know. That's it, basically. And you're, you're a Londoner, is that right? Oh, John? yeah, 100%, yeah. Been in London all my life, yeah. And uh, how long were you, was that your first job? Before? When did, when did uh, you start No, working? I started working when I was 15. As uh -huh. a um, building site laborer. Uh -huh. Then I actually lied. I was told him I was 16, but I was actually 15. 
then I started forklift driving at 18, and that's what I've done ever since, you know. So from age 18 to age 45? 47, 47, 47. Well, you're 47 yeah, now, but 47 you said you've been on the street for two years. Yeah, yeah. So age 45, you were... Yeah, a f- I was forklift driving, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a yeah. really good forklift driver, really, I'm, really good. I'm sure you are. Yeah, I've got plenty of experience, you know. That's the other thing, I can get a job easily, but without a house, how can you get a job? Without a job, how can you get a house? It's chicken and the egg, like I said. So know? it's a kind of catch-22, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can't get a job without a flat, and then without a flat, you can't get a job. When you finish work, what do you do? You go home, you have some food, you have a shower, you watch a bit of TV, you fall asleep, you go work the next day. If you're homeless, when you finish work, where do you go? Sleep on the street, you get moved on two, three times a night. You know, people, you know, there's nasty people out there as well. It's a hard life, you know. So what do you do, you know? So, John, could you, I mean, what, what was that like, if you don't mind my asking? Could you see it coming? I mean, and, and yeah, but your first it's, night on the street. It sort of catches you slowly. It starts off, you know, you get like 200 pound here, 200 pound, 200 pound. Next thing, it's three grand, and you're being you get an eviction notice through the door, and you're on the street all of a sudden. You know, it's very it happens very fast, but slowly at the same time. It's yeah. really weird. Do you know what I mean? I've 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 heard it said that you know a lot of people are basically one paycheck away from being homeless. Oh, big time! Yeah, is that the case? I speak to a lot of people that say that. People that do help me on the street and give me a couple of quid. They say to me, they know what it's like, they've either been homeless or they're close to homelessness, you know? What people don't realise is a lot of people have got leased cars and mortgages and all this stuff. They're struggling themselves, you know? Uh-huh. They might have big houses and a fresh car, but they're paying, uh, you know, loads of money for it, uh-huh. you know? People don't realise that. I might be down the low end of the scale, but it's very similar to middle classes and things like that, uh-huh. you know? So... How did you find your way to Kensington then? Uh, I mean, has this just, been your just, patch for a no, while? No, no, no. I just walk around, you know. Uh-huh. I walk all over. Do I must, you? I, I probably do a marathon every day walking. Seriously? Seriously. I walk from 8 in the morning till 10, 11 at night. Uh-huh. So walking constantly. And, right. John, what about, you know, getting food and... and uh, kind people in London help you out. There's... Um, drop-in centres where you can get food and things like that. Uh-huh. But a lot of it is through kindness of strangers like yourself that help uh-huh. me out, you know? So, you know. And, and uh, you, you know, you where if you don't mind my asking, where will you sleep tonight? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet. Do you sometimes have to sleep outside then? Oh, I sleep outside every night, basically. Seriously? There, there's there's um, all the free shelters. There's so many homeless. They're all full up. So... You're lucky to get in one of them. If you don't get in one of them, you either sleep outside or you do the pay hostels, but the pay hostels are like £20 a night. So, uh-huh. you know, if you don't make £20, you sleep outside. You either choose between food or lodging. You know what I mean? I mean, if, what about, what about your, your health? And I mean, you must be cold. I'm quite lucky with my health, to be honest. I haven't got no, you know, nothing really wrong with me. But people do go downhill very fast outside. You know, Do they? The cold, they get pneumonia. A, a girl, Alice, died the other day. A, a girl, girl the other, yeah, the other day, literally a week ago. She died on Kensington High Street. You're kidding? No, no, I'm not kidding. She died the other day, Alice, Alice and Jack. If you go down there, you'll see Jack. He, they was, the they was all together all the time, and she died. You know? Yeah. How old was Alice? Uh, forty-four, something like that. Forty-five. 
and yeah. what it just caught up with her exposure and she, had, she, had, she had stomach problems she didn't go to the hospital and then one night she just went boom gone I know about eight people that's died so far in two years so a uh, lot of people young people young people yeah on the street yeah it's discreet. It's it's shameful. It's incredible. It yeah. shouldn't be allowed. How can a government let a girl live on the street? Yeah. It's, it's, this is one of the richest countries in the world. Yeah. And yet there's people on the street when there doesn't need to be. There's all empty houses all around here. Yeah. There's millionaires from abroad buying them just for investment, sell them ten years, make yeah. loads of money. They don't care that people ain't got nowhere to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Simple as that. Rich stay rich, poor stay poor. So do you? I mean. Do you have a plan? I mean, do you, how are you going to how are you going to get off the street? The only the only plan I can do right is go to the council every day, go to the dropping centres every day. Like I said, because I've got no mental health or anything like that, and they said I made myself homeless by not paying my rent. So I'm sort of in a crack where it's just you know catch twenty two, like we said, you know. So you made yourself homeless. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying, and that yeah. therefore. Therefore, it's my my problem to get myself off out. the street. Yeah, get off the street yourself, basically. Yeah, that's horrible. And, and yeah. everybody's in that sort of situation. Yeah, anybody can get in rent arrears and you know find themselves out here. I'm a single man, no mental rights, no mental health, none of that stuff. So they think, well, you can do it yourself. Uh huh. But to get off the street, like to rent a private place, I need a month in advance. I need like you know couple of months where I can before I can even get back into work uh -huh. do you know what I mean so I need like three months rent and a deposit do you know what I mean it's you know it's, it's basically impossible and you know? two years I've been going through this you know so so how many how many homeless people do you know or how many homeless people do you think there are in London well there's over 50,000 in London over 50,000 yeah didn't you know that? Yeah, I, there's I had no idea. Yeah, mate. That's why every tube station you go to, there's beggars there because they're all homeless. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God! It's that... crazy. Yeah, it's the richest country, one of the richest countries, and there's all these people on the street. It's craziness, it really is. So, you being 47, you will go mm. back. Well, no, I've been here 50 years, but yeah. uh, I can't remember when I first came here that there were a yeah. lot of homeless people. Yeah, there's uh, always there's been a lot is... of homeless people. Yeah. I know quite a few of them up and down here, obviously. So I work, but so you get I, to know people where I live. Yeah, you obviously, yeah. Yeah. You know. uh, and what about the? We all try. The... We all try and help each other. Do you? You yeah. got. You got to rely on each other because yeah. you know there'll be days where you don't get any help. Yeah. And you really struggle. And then some of the other guys might, you know, get somewhere and sneak you in the yeah. back door and let you slide on the floor or something. You know. So you look after each other. You know. So. Uh, is it the case that some nights you are able to get some money together so you can yeah, sleep in yeah. it? Yeah, maybe, maybe once every two weeks. As you can tell by my beard, yeah. I haven't been inside for two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean, when I go inside, I have a shave and, you know, clean yeah. up and that, you know? So, you know, that's it. Wow, it's a, that's such a crazy situation, yeah. you know? And what about, what about people who... Walk by you. What I, I mean, I, well, you get two reactions. You get really nice people, or you get rude people, or you get well, three reactions. You get nasty people that just look down on you. You get people that ignore you, and you get nice people that talk to you at least. Yeah. You know, yeah. And maybe, do you, maybe give you a cigarette. Maybe give you a pound. You know, if you're lucky. And do you do you think it's the case that some of the people who walk by think that? Oh, they're all drug addicts or something. Exactly right, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. They think they're either alcoholics or drug addicts or, you know, 
they just they just look down on you as a society, innit, you know? Yeah. They got comfortable as is, they don't really care, you know. The people that do help you, that do give you a couple of quid and do talk to you, they've normally been in the situation themselves. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe not on the street, but they've stayed on friends' sofas and things like that, so they know what it's like to struggle, you know? Yeah. People that have never struggled, they look down on you. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Rich yeah. people, especially rich people, completely ignore you. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, big time. They've never had to struggle. Their mummy and dad was rich, do you know what I mean? Silver spoons, all that. They just don't care about a common man, you know? Yeah. Because they've never been down that low, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and John, did you say you have a child? I do, yeah. Yeah. I've got a son, 16. He's 16. Mm. So, do you get to see him? Yeah, now and again. Yeah. Not as often as I'd like, but now and again, yeah. Yeah. He still lives with my ex-girlfriend, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's alright, he's safe and everything, so that's cool. So, he does good at school and everything, so that's right. So everything you've got, you carry with you in a bag or something, is that right? You've got uh, a sleeping yeah, bag? And... Yeah, pretty much. My, my important stuff, yeah. I've got in my friend's house, but I've got a sleeping bag and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I hide it in the bushes and I can't carry it all day. Yeah. Walking for 12, 13 hours a day, you can't carry all that stuff all day, you know? And you do, do, you, do you walk with purpose with direction or do you just walk? no I just wander around you know do you yeah yeah there's nowhere That's... to go you know there's nowhere to you know when it's raining I yeah. can't go home and watch TV I have to find somewhere to drive to sit down do you know what I mean yeah. it's like you know are there places where there's are there outdoor places where there's some warm air from exhaust and things like that coming not I mean... really no them sort of places generally have got you know, concierge is saying to run you off, you know, so they, uh-huh. won't, they won't let you, you know, there's one down there at Kensington Palace Hotel, it's like a vent that comes out the floor, but yeah. as soon as you stand there, they come over and say, move. Shoot you away. Yeah, yeah. And, John, is it dangerous? What... Oh, very dangerous, yeah. Is very, it? Very dangerous, yeah. I've, I've been kicked in the face when I've been sleeping before, you're, do you know what I mean? you kidding? No, I woke up with a black eye and everything, do you know what I mean? I sleep with a screwdriver, you know what I mean? Wow. Just in case you'll get attacked. You know what I mean? Well, who would do that? Just pissheads, basically. People coming out of pubs and things like that. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. You got to be very careful where you sleep. You know. Uh huh. So I suppose you get street savvy, huh? You get. More... Of course, yeah, of course. It's hard to learn, but once you learn it, it's you know. Like I said, you start to know people, and you know. So. Well, that's it, basically. That's my story, you know. So. You know? So, so it presumably would help if I'm, I'm belaboring the obvious. It would help if people who went by, if they reached into their pocket and gave you a fifty pence piece, anything yeah. would help. Somebody, I mean, somebody, somebody, give me fifty pound. That would last me two days. I'd get two nights in a shelter and food. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. But that doesn't happen. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You like you, you was very kind. You give me a fifteen quid, yeah. Yeah. Right, another fiver, and I'll be in a hostel tonight. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm kind of nearly there. Yeah. But that's very rare that happens. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I said, look at my beard. Two weeks yeah. since I've been in one, you know? Yeah. Understand? So where's the hostel? Uh, that you'll go it's to? up in Queensway. In Queensway? Yeah, yeah just yeah, up yeah. the road, yeah. And you'll walk up there? I'll walk up there, yeah. 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 Once I make the rest of the money, I'll walk yeah. up there, yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's it. Same so, thing every day. You walk around, you go to the job centre. Uh, sorry, the council. You go to the job in centres. Then you walk around, try and get some food, make some money, try and get a shelter. Do that every day. 
basically. So that's the life on the street, walking, asking people for help, and going to the centres where you can try and get a bit of help and use the facilities. You know? uh -huh. Yeah, basically that's it. So another five quid gets you a roof tonight, is that right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You know what? Yeah. Can you hold that for me? Yeah. I'm going to get you another five quid. Well, thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you, brother. You're a good guy. There you go. Thank you, buddy. See, now I've got a roof now, you know? That's See? fantastic. It's very rare that happens, though, you know? Yeah. It takes somebody kind like you to come uh, along, you know? Yeah, I'm not so kind, but anyway. Yeah. Well, thanks for... Yeah, thanks very thanks much very for much, yeah. sharing your story. It's Hopefully, a, if that helps people, that's good, you know. It helps people understand a little bit more about people on the street, you know. Exactly. They're, exactly. Not, all, they're not all dropouts and bums and, you know, wasters. Some of them are just really, really struggling, you know. Well, I've learned so much. I mean, yeah. to start with that figure of 50,000, I mean, I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people on the street, you yeah. know. And a lot of them are immigrants now as well. So a lot of them are... A lot of them are immigrants uh -huh. as well, you know. yeah. But there's still a lot of English as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but you know, you do meet a lot of, you get a lot of kindness on the street. Uh huh. But you get a lot of evil on the street as well. Uh huh. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose you're seeing the extremes, aren't you? Yeah, the... one end, one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. I've had people spit at me, try and beat me up, everything. Yeah, crazy. Do you know what I mean? Good God. Especially late at night when people are coming out of pubs. That's the dangerous time. Yeah. That's when I sort of squirrel away somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not hide, but, you know, yeah. go in bed down somewhere, you yeah, know, yeah. out of the way, you know. That's it, basically, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. So how long will you stay right here, then? What, see you now? Yeah. Oh, five more minutes, I'm going to go. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, yeah. I hope I see you again. Yeah, David, thank you very much. Yeah, John, Appreciate thank, it, thank you. Thank yeah, you thanks for, for talking to me. Yeah, thank you for your help, David. Telling you, telling you a story, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's an important story. It's cool, yeah, it's cool. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see each other again. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Thank okay, you, David. I'm in Kensington. Nice one, my buddy. Yeah. God bless you. All best, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thanks a lot. Nice one, David. God bless Bye. you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Bye. You've been listening to This Is London, the London Walks podcast. Emanating from walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just-the-right-size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, London's multi-award-winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for 20 pounds a walk, but you cannot get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. It's not rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely, you also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started, we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a searching question. Do we want to make the most money? Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company on the planet. You do whatever you have to do to attract and keep 
the best guides in London. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards. It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. It's the reason we've got a big following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals. By way of example, Stuart Purvis, the former editor and subsequently CEO of Independent Television News, and Lisa Honan, who had a distinguished career as a diplomat. Lisa was the governor of St. Helena, the island where Napoleon breathed his last, and, some say, had his penis amputated. Napoleon didn't feel a thing, if things the mot juste. He was dead. Stuart and Lisa, both of them CBEs, are just a couple of our headline acts. Or take our Ripper Walk. It's the creation of the world's leading expert on Jack the Ripper, Donald Rumbelow, the author of the definitive book on the subject. Britain's most distinguished crime historian, Donald is, in the words of the Jack the Ripper A to Z, internationally recognized as the leading authority on Jack the Ripper. Donald's emeritus now, but he's still the guiding light on our Ripper Walk. He curates the walk, he trains up and mentors our Ripper Walk guides, fields any and all questions they throw at him. The London Walk's aristocracy of talent, its all-star team of guides, includes a former London mayor. It includes the former chief music critic for the Evening Standard, It includes the chair of the Association of Professional Tour Guides and the former chair of the Guild of Guides. It includes barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, a former Museum of London archaeologist, historians, university professors, one of them a distinguished Cambridge University paleontologist. It includes criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company and National Theatre actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the big one, the Guide of the Year Award. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar, and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London walks. And that's by way of saying, good walking and good Londoning, one and all. See you next time.